You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. Welcome to the Locked On Hornets podcast. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We have podcasts on nearly every team in the NFL, NBA, MLB, and fantasy sports. Just search your podcast app for Locked On and your team to get more podcasts. Recording a little bit later than usual today. Just got caught up at the James Borrego Luncheon. James Borrego Luncheon. A lot of fun. Great food. Roots Chris. believe third year in a row it's been held there. And it's the first time I had been to the luncheon. I'd been to Roots Chris a couple times. So, so wait, was, wait, wait, hold on. So let me understand this now. There was a luncheon at Roots Chris, and you got to go. Yep. But you didn't think to bring myself or Doug. Oh, I, I it wasn't my call to invite anybody. I can't invite anybody. I can't just bring my boys over there. I think you got to get an RSVP or something. Yeah, or yeah, this gotta, is not a family luncheon. I got a couple homeboys that are trying to get some steak. You mind? Hey, Brian. Brian PR guy. Brian Travis. Hey, Brian. You mind if I bring these guys? Considering he listens, like, I, I feel hurt that we weren't even invited to this. Like, you got invited. I'm a credentialed member of the media again, guys. I don't know what happened there. Maybe you said something on the show to oh, I probably anger did. them. I probably did. I mean, you're not exactly too shy from controversy. What do you mean I'm not too shy from controversy? I would just imagine maybe you would have said something to anger them once upon a time. You just admitted that you might have. <sighs> okay. But it was good me, steak, so I apologize that you missed out because, my God. I mean, I hadn't been there in so long. They apparently just drench it in butter and serve it sizzling hot. I mean, it is so good. They put butter and garlic in their mashed potatoes. I just forgot about it. I forgot how good it was. You ain't helping right now. Now, the one thing that did frustrate me was it was way longer than expected. I did not expect the luncheon to go as long as it did. I mean, it was starting at 12, but I don't think Borrego and everybody really showed up until about like 12.30, and then there was a lot of questions asked and a lot of great stuff we're going to get to, but it was, a, it was a long lunch, a long question session, and then they started to bring out the salad, and then so it's three-course meal, so it's just served in increments, right, where you just, all right, so we're done with the salad. Now everybody's got to be done before you move on. The steak was great. I had to leave the cheesecake alone. Couldn't leave without the cheesecake. So, so, I, I so, left without so, the cheesecake. Let me just recap and it looked good what you me. just said right there. Yeah. So you went to a dinner and you're complaining a lunch and you're complaining yeah. about the length of time that you were there. No, I well, it wasn't just about the length. Well, I wanted to get back to you guys. Of now, course. Now, how much did you pay for this again? Uh, zero dollars, zero cents. Do you realize how silly just you sound time. right now? No, I just I'm well, I'm more frustrated. I think that was more about the cheesecake, to be honest with you. I that I left the cheesecake there because I had to go. And and you didn't think to ask, you know, I can take this slice of but, cheesecake. And we could have, and we could have, but it was still taking a little bit longer, and there was a lot of people there, so this is on the wait staff or anything. It was just I needed to go at that point, and I left the cheesecake there, and it was something that was pretty frustrating to me. I really wanted to bring that cheesecake. You couldn't think to offer it like that would have been the olive branch to, hey, my boys couldn't go. Here's <laughs> no, a slice of cheesecake bring... that you can set. You, you I'll be honest share. with you. I'll be honest with you. I was only going to get one. So if I were going to an extended olive branch to you, Nada, then it would be kind of an FU to Doug. So yeah, Nada, here's the cheesecake, Doug. <laughs> Next time split. I get a free meal at Ruth Chris. I mean, and you we can't split, split a piece of cheesecake. It's not like you're going to split it and then, you know, it's going to be two bites and you're going to be done. You are you are just trying to figure out ways 
to push my buttons today. Yes, I am. Man, and it's kind of working. Make sure you're <laughs> following us on Twitter and Instagram at Lockdown Hornets and on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Lockdown Hornets. You can find myself on Twitter at Walker Mail, Doug at Doug Branson, LOH. It's fixed. What happened? You didn't do that. Did I do that? No, I did it. You didn't do it. Yeah, I had time. I wasn't eating cheesecake, so I had time to fix the... Uh... Doug Branson <laughs> LOH. It's the first time. This is the first time it's ever been the correct Twitter handle. And sure enough, there you go. Doug at Doug Branson LOH and Nada at Nada Scribe. Yeah, it's you know eating that cheesecake, that, those three letters. I haven't had time to change up the three letters. But it's there today and again at Nada the Scribe. So again, as I was trying to eat my cheesecake and before I got to eat the steak, before I got to eat the salad... Again, James Borrego comes in and answers a lot of questions. A lot of stuff we'll have to get here uh, and get to here. I mean, it was a lot of candid stuff. I'll open up by this, by saying this. We got very lucky here in Charlotte to have Steve Clifford, at least with the media. Steve Clifford was fantastic Mm -hmm. with the media. I don't think there's any media member that had a bad thing to say about him just because of how open he was. He was going to tell you exactly like it was. And I think that's exactly what everybody wants. They want the candidness. They want whatever, who they're ever they're interviewing, to be crazy open. To me, at least, I feel like you have another good one here in James Borrego. I feel like it's somebody okay. that is candid. I feel like it's somebody that's pretty open. He he tells cool stories. It's not like you're bothering him. It's not like he tries to brush you off. He's not a guy full of cliches. He gives you a lot of stuff that I think you're looking for. And I think, oh, once again, like it was bad to see Steve Clifford leave in that sense, but you got another good one here in James Borrego. So what you're telling me is that he's media savvy and he doesn't have so far the pop-like personality to be a grump. <laughs> right. He does not have the pop way of handling things with the media. And I'll tell you this, worships his time with pop. It worships it. it I would too. goes back to it. And sure, but you can see the different type of emotion that he has speaking about Greg Popovich. Every single way that not even he coached basketball, but just the way he lived life. You know, he talked about their dinners on the road. He said that was something that Greg Popovich grew to love even more than the game, that they would just have discussions that were just simply about life, that they would go uh, to like four, five-star dinner restaurants every single road game they were on, and he would just you know pay the bill, and that's the kind of life that they led. It was the five, I think it was the five men, of course, and, and the one woman on the coaching staff. And I forget her name. What's her name again? Becky Hammond. Uh, Becky Hammond. Yes. Thank How you. How you forgetting Becky Hammond? I bro? just for, I just forgot her name. But yes. Yeah, so Becky Hammond. Cheesecake. And <laughs> and the five other coaches <laughs> on that staff. And they would just go out and every single road game they would all have dinner together. And he worshipped his time coaching with Pop. And I you hear this all the time with just the basketball strategy of things, right? He keeps on going to Greg Popovich. You're going to see a lot of that here in Charlotte. Now again, as as much as he looks up to him, I one, I don't think that you would be opposed to it if you're a Charlotte Hornet fan. If you see what happened in a small market like San Antonio, where Greg Popovich was able to have such a fantastic team and such a, a fantastic tenure with them so far, then I think you would hope that James Borrego was able to do the same thing here in Charlotte. And I think you're going to get a lot of copied stuff from what I, Greg Popovich brought to that I city. honestly hope so, because... If I want a guy from the Spurs system, I want someone that's going to idolize Pop and possibly innovate in his own manner. Now, I've seen again, I've seen some bits and pieces 
I need to know the basketball gravy right now. Yeah. I need the basketball gravy. Well, look, I'll give it to you. So the one thing that he opens up with, first and foremost, and he, he talks about meeting Joe Wolf, and that's the new head coach of the Greensboro Swarm, the D-League affiliate for the Charlotte Hornets, and he discussed how much he liked him, how question, much he liked the question. hire, how much it goes into basketball development. Where did Joe Wolf go to school again? Uh, yes. It is North Carolina. Pretty familiar with that over to that franchise. Yeah, uh, the one thing I will defend them on, on on this one, quite frankly, is we're talking about hiring a G League coach in September. By this time, it's like NBA free agents. Most of the good ones are gone. Yeah, and and you know what? It's and as much as they can play a role in the development, you know, who I don't I don't care where the D League coach went to college. <laughs> I yeah, really exactly. Don't. I really don't. Like if if the head coach was going to be Jerry Stackhouse. If the head coach is going to be somebody that was a Carolina alum, then maybe you start to have a little bit more of an eyebrow hold up, raised. Hold up. Look. I, would I, I loved- like Jerry. It's not about Jerry. You know this. It's yeah. not about Jerry. It's not about any kind of disdain that I have for Jerry as a head coach. You would deserve to at least be a little bit skeptical if another North Carolina alum came in this franchise. Yes and no. Because Stack, like, look, we would have questioned Stack. But it ain't about Stack, though. Like, No, no, no. no. They could have bring in Joe Schmo, and if he went to Carolina, then I would have been like, well, it's the same kind of problems that I have with Jerry. Joe Schmo don't have them hands like Stack does. <laughs> well, okay. I don't want Jerry punching these guys. That Jerry Stackhouse is great, by the way, the stories that he yes. would have in training camp. But, yeah, I don't, if, if I want to bring him in a back alley, then sure, give me Jerry Stackhouse. I don't care where these guys went to school. But these other coaches, whatever. You, you've brought us on a different path that I wanted to go. You're welcome. Here's the one thing that I wanted to mention about the D-League coach. He mentioned meeting Joe Wolf, hiring him a part of this franchise. He mentioned how he wants the D-League team to be very useful. He talked about using that D-League to help them really develop a lot of talent. And what's the thing that we have just heard constantly this offseason? Talent development. It's been basketball Cheesecake. talent development. Oh, basketball <laughs> After, development. Yeah, that's that's just the show. He he did like the, the food, though. He ate salmon, by the way. What? At a steak place. What? I'm cool with it. Hold on. But he ate salmon. What? Mashed potatoes. That's fine. I had mashed potatoes there as well. I had the steak. Big salmon guy. Do you have to get steak at Ruth's, Chris? Yes. I've never been. You've never know. been to Ruth's, Chris? I've never been. I mean, I, I can't act like I'm shocked. I've been like three times, so I'm not a connoisseur of the steakhouse, but I'm In surprised this studio, you are. I, I'm sorry. You've never been either. No. I would, I would imagine that's pretty rare. I would imagine most people have been to a chain steak place. Pretty like rare? Ruth's, Is Chris. that a steak pun? <laughs> Getting back to the basketball gravy. Okay. Oh, gravy. The D League. Love gravy. They have gravy on those potatoes. I got food on my mind, man. That was garlic. Getting back to the garlic and the butter. Um, he talks about the D League team, the basketball development. The one cool thing that I took away from this, probably the most intrigued, the the one story that I had where I was listening most intently was his Derek White story. For those that you don't know, point guard out of Colorado. Derek White getting drafted by the San Antonio Spurs. He discussed how important the D-League was for him. So he told this story that DeJounte Murray, Tony Parker, both the point guards at the time with the Spurs, they were doing different rotations, and they noticed, he and the coaching staff, that Derek White just wasn't getting a lot of run. There was a couple times where you would you would be, of course, involved in the 0-1-1, 1-2, stuff like that, right? And, and you would just do the fast break drills. And he wasn't getting a whole lot of run, so they decided to ship him to Austin, the G League city that the Spurs affiliate team is. They shipped him to Austin, had him work on his game, got tons of touches. He was the guy. He was the head honcho on that team. 
getting just a, a ton of experience there, being the number one guy on that team. Even in the even in the he talked about the locker room being the leader, the weight room, first one in, last one out. He discussed that he was not only the man just on the basketball court, but off the basketball court, he really developed with his personality. Mm-hmm. He said he came back. And he saw a completely different confidence in Derek White. Not only just the player being able to take control a little bit more, but just he walked different, he said. He said he walked different. He acted like he belonged. And he said because of that, they looked at him differently. And I think with that Derek White story he told, he saw how useful the D-League teams can be. And I think that has to get you at least somewhat intrigued with some stuff that maybe you can get out of these second round picks that the Hornets will have in the future. Or maybe some of these projects that you'll have. Second round pick Devontae Graham. And and maybe that's and the case. to a lesser extent, Dwayne Bacon. Yeah. And possibly, and who knows, some of these younger guys. I think that it's just really cool to see him have these specific stories from San Antonio, and he's not afraid to apply this to a Charlotte situation. That needs to, to have a, a lot of work and a lot of development. And speaking on that development, before we take a break real quick, going to Malik Monk certainly is the guy that everybody's paying attention to. I would even say most of the season, even more so than Kimba, because we all know what we have in Kimba. Kimba's, yes. Kimba's a star, right? Oh, wait, I mean, is, this, is this Malik Monk breaking news? I wouldn't call it breaking news. Well, maybe, maybe there is some breaking news to what he said. So Rick said... You know, Rick asked the question, you know, what, what does he Rick Bunnell, Charlotte Observer. Rick Bunnell, Charlotte Observer. He asked the question about Malik Monk and is there, you know, what kind of expectations does he have for him? And I think another question was asked about, is he a starter or is he a bench player? And James Borrego is pretty emphatic that he does not have a set position for Malik, whether he is going to be a starter in this league or whether he's going to be a bench player in this league, at least yet, at least for this season that he's going to go to training camp. He's got some rotations in mind. He said he's going to play with the rotations a little bit. He's got some lineups that he wants to try out there, but that he doesn't have anything too set. The one guy that is set as a starter for sure is Kimba. Now, you would imagine there's a couple of other guys that probably fit within that criteria, but the only one that at least he publicly would admit to is Kimba, and I don't think that comes as a surprise to anybody. It's the most obvious thing in the world. I have a little bit of an issue with this because I'm pretty sure one that Malik Monk already knows what he's going to be playing or where he's going to be playing or his role, primarily because I talked to Malik Monk about this. The other thing is, I what, can, what did he? Okay, but what, you can't just say that and then drop it. Like, what do you do? You have specific information? I don't or? have specific information. Okay, here we go. <laughs> I don't have. Again, what did he wink at you? Like, what? Did, yeah. He dude, might have. Are you going to be a starter? Blink twice Malik? if you're going to start, right. Malik. Of course, look. What's his out. dog's name? Did, it, did the dog How do you something? not know Bear Monk? How? how? You said you Clayton. read my piece. I thought you loved me, Doug. Peeking the mic. I'm sorry. I'm getting excited. This is, again, this is your fault. Somehow this is your turn fault, Turn that gain down on. Hey, you got to take your own medicine, Nada. I have no idea what you're talking Let's about. Let's go ahead. What, why, why do you think that this is all a sham by James Borrego trying to lead us the other direction? Because at what point... <laughs> <laughs> I can't take po- Doug. Oh God! <laughs> Focus, Nada. Tell us what's it's going on. It's too late. It's too late now. Well, I I think that it's true. I, I think that there Malik Monk's going to be one of the bigger questions. What whether you do bring him off the bench or not, because he's competing with Jeremy Lamb, who we also discussed. 
that he's pretty high on. And we've heard him discuss Jeremy Lamb at least a couple of times and that he likes him. I would imagine, you know, it's the Nick Batum, Jeremy Lamb, Malik Monk kind of rotation. Who are you expecting there? But again, we saw Nick Batum, Nick Batum on Twitter that he's going to be a small forward and going to be playing like he was back in Portland, and that's his natural position anyway. And we should say this, and and maybe you can help clear this up, Walker, because I think a lot of people are going to look at that quote in particular and say, whoa, what does this mean for Nick Batum? Is Nick Batum going to the bench all of a sudden? When I look at this quote, I think, of course, Kimball Walker is slated to start at point guard. It doesn't mean that Nick Batum's not going to start or that there's even a question about that. It just means that, the rotations are are yet to be set. So does does uh, Batum play at two? Does he play at three? I think there are a few players that he knows for sure are going to start. He just doesn't know exactly where. After he, and, and really in exactly the order that he discussed all of these things, the first was the D-League. He mentioned that Derek White story actually kind of later, but he did, a mention, the, he did mention the G-League and how useful it would be right off the bat. The other two things he led off with was the position versatility and the rotations, and not exactly knowing who the rotations are going to be as of yet, but that training camp is going to play a big part in where he's going to put a lot of these guys. And so the position versatility, just as you mentioned, where does Nick Batum play? Not necessarily is he going to start, because can you imagine that? I mean, if Nick Batum was off on the bench, I mean, that would be be a a a shocker. There'd be a lot of misinformed fans that would be celebrating. (laughs) There would be a shocker. And so to not have Nick Batum as a starter, more so than just not knowing where he's going to start, I think that's more of the conversation. Exactly what position position is he going to be and I would imagine it's the three there just seems to be too many signs pointing that way the one question I do have is if position versatility is a big thing that means there's a whole lot of other people that probably aren't going to see as many minutes as they'd like to see specifically we talked about it being competitive he said it's going to be a competitive training camp he said the big position is going to be competitive as well going to five and referencing the four and exactly how defensively that these guys can guard different positions and that there's going to be a battle at a lot of these different positions. Four and five are probably the most interesting position battles that we have right now, especially considering that Frank is most likely not a four in this this new defensive scheme or or offensive scheme for that matter. A guy like Miles Bridges, does he play primarily the three, primarily the four? I mean, this is going to get interesting in terms of just these guys having to compete. Yeah, I want to uh, let's let's hit on that. Let's take a quick break. We'll hit on that as well. Miles Bridges is somebody he talked about saying he kind of surprised him. He didn't anticipate that he was really that good. And then at Summer League, he showed him some things that he was pretty surprised to see out of Miles Bridges. So we'll get to that after the break. Walker Mail, not Edwards, Doug Branson. You're listening to the Locked On Hornets podcast. You are listening to the Locked On Hornets podcast. We don't want that Pacers talk. You got to respect the satchel. We don't want that cab stock. What you got, Doug? <laughs> I have the entirety. I turned this satchel a little loud today. <laughs> it's, Be quiet, satchel. No, we're ba- it's a club banging in here. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. If you want to support our show and the amazing people that put it together, consider joining our Patreon community. For as little as $1 a month, you can help us keep making the daily Hornets content that you've come to trust. Go to patreon.com slash LOH. 
There's a link in the description of this episode. Get double entries into our contest and access to content before anyone else. Patreon.com slash LOH. Every dollar goes to making this the best Hornets talk in Charlotte. So getting back to James Borrego's conversation at the lunch today, he did discuss Miles Bridges and it was a question asked, is there somebody that particularly surprised him? that he didn't realize he was going to give him maybe one area of basketball. He didn't expect that from one individual player. And he mentioned, you know, Miles Bridges being a guy that he was kind of surprised about. And he discussed, he just has a coach's feel was the quote he had. Just as a coach, he's got a feel for this guy that he just, he plays. And another quote that he had here was he's a a play to play type of guy. And what he meant by that was if he makes a turnover, in one play, he forgets it. He plays basketball the next time and makes up for it. And he's just a really smart shoot. He's a really smart basketball player. He said he's a better shooter than what he gets credit for, and they're working on that now. And among Miles Bridges and Devontae Graham and the younger players here, he discussed that these guys have been working quite a bit in the city of Charlotte. And he discussed how much these guys actually like the city of Charlotte. I think 12 of the 14 core guys have been here in Charlotte working in open gym. And, and Miles Bridges was one of the guys he spoke very highly about. So wait a minute. Do we value players that forget plays all of a sudden? I thought we were <laughs> we loved LeBron James because he remembered he could cite to you every single play from every game he's ever played in. Now all of a sudden, we like players who have no idea what happened on the previous play. I don't think you want them to play scared, right? Like you don't want them to remember the turnover that they had and then have them be a little bit less and, you know, maybe a little bit more scared to throw that pass the next time. We know Nick Batum, I guess, kind of is a play to play type of guy in the wrong way, right? Like where Nick Batum will have a bad turnover and then he'll continue to have bad turnovers. That's just dirty pool right there. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's just that's dirty your pool. boy. That's your boy. I will defend it. I will defend Nick Batum to the hilt because I do think he's unfairly maligned here. That, that's just dirty pool right there. Uh, so <laughs> so he talked about Miles Bridges in that regard. And you know, it's obviously a pick in the draft that I was not high on. I wanted Shea Gilgis Alexander when he was yeah. selected, and they traded him right to the Clippers. So they drafted Miles Bridges. You took Bridges. it as a personal affront. Yes, you did. I, I just felt like they should have checked with me first before they <laughs> traded Shea Gilgis Alexander. It would have been the right thing to do. I was there at the stadium. Mitch Kupchak was right I there. Could have knocked on the door. I wasn't. It wasn't locked. I mean, at least they could have came down to the floor where I was and asked me my opinion. But who cares, right? I mean, I, Shea I, Gilgis just, Alexander is now. Gone. I'm just going to say this. They probably heard what you said, and you still got invited to Ruth's Chris with he is JB. Really sour about this? <laughs> yes, I am. I am. That steak was good. I'd be mad too. I was. I would. I. I'm fine with not going. I would have settled for a doggy bag of some kind. No, they gave us a pretty cool notepad with a basketball grip type cover. No, I don't care about that saying cool. you should have brought me a doggy bag of. Your leftovers. And not and not Nada and just giving you some food and then not brought Nada anything as well. It always it's always your own people, man. <laughs> it's always your own people. So getting back to Malik Monk and Miles Bridges and these young guys here, he he discussed Miles Bridges as being that type of impactful player. And I told you, you know, I it wasn't somebody that I was really high on, but it kind of struck me as, you know, he discussed it as if maybe he wasn't as in on the Miles Bridges selection, and not that he hated it. I don't think he had anything that was too terrible about the Miles Bridges selection, 
but that he maybe just wasn't in on it, which would make sense. Mitch Kupchak being the new GM, he's going to get his guy. He's going to make sure that he gets the people he is particularly infatuated with, but that he saw him at Summer League and, and Borrego is, is all on board. And I don't – look, that's a nice thing to say to fans. That's something where maybe you can take as – I'm not going to say rehearsed because I do think that he really does like Miles Bridges, but it certainly does play to the fans. I do believe there is merit there. I do believe that James so, Borrego likes what he has in a young player in Miles Bridges, helping out immediately and the future. So what you're telling me is that James Borrego cor- – basically compared Miles Bridges to that Christmas sweater your grandmother gets and then it happens to blizzard and that's like actually kind of popping a little bit yeah right no I think that might be it I mean well you know maybe you don't like the Christmas sweater you get you know you're not gonna like it I don't think it's that maybe it's just some kind of sweater that you're indifferent about but then eventually you're like you know what this actually looks pretty good on me I'm about to use it a lot I think that's exactly what I think that's more the example that you could use discussing going back to Nick Batum real quickly you know, I think one of the last things that he said here at this luncheon was that Nick Batum is going to be an X factor for the Charlotte Hornets team this season. Yes. He discussed how special of a player he was. They discussed how much they valued him at San Antonio, how well he could pass, how well he could move. Again, the position versatility that Nick Batum brings. Look, there's a lot of angry Hornets fans when it comes to Nick Batum. Yeah, most of them saying, why didn't San Antonio trade for him right after you said that? I, uh, right. I And look, I've been pretty frustrated with Nick Batum as a Hornets fan myself. Yes. You know, the guy makes $26 million. There's no doubt that he's not worth the contract. It's it's a big contract in a league where there's a lot of big contracts for players that just aren't worth that kind of value. I do think that Nick Batum is your second best player on this team. I think Kimba's obviously number one. There's no question about it. You go to two. I think I don't know who even you would really put into contention there with. You're you're hoping Malik Monk is that guy, but you're I, hoping Malik Monk, you're hoping Jeremy Lamb, you're hoping for a lot of guys to rebound. And and Nick Batum he discusses how vital Nick Batum is to this team. And so you can have your anger with him and how frustrating he's been. Look, I've I've been frustrated. There are times look, you can't have you can't have those numbers as inefficient as they are and be that valuable in this league as far as contractually. I, I agree there, but I would also say when you when people say he's not worth the money, I can make that case for basically ninety nine point nine nine percent of the NBA. There's right there's a lot that seems high, like point point one percent seems seems well, high. Well, because you got aren't... the other other folks like LeBron, Steph Curry, and all them that are grossly underpaid. No, I I agree. No, I I hear you. I'm just saying Nick Batum being paid 26 million. He's he's very frustrating, and I I think encompassing all of that, acknowledging all of that, I also don't disagree at all that he's imperative to this team being a successful basketball team, and that he's probably the second best player. And I even believe a little bit that Borrego has a plan to get the most out of him once again. So SI.com is doing their top 100 players, and, and we'll talk more about this, I'm sure. But I saw something very interesting in their ranking of Nick Batum. They had him 79 overall, and at the very end of the write-up, they said that Nick Batum is less Swiss Army knife and more corkscrew because he really has one function now, and that's a facilitator because we haven't seen that increase in his three-point percentage. We haven't seen him be able to do uh, the, the multiple things that I think Hornets fans were expecting him to do when when they made the trade and then uh, and then doubly so when they gave him the contract extension and all we've really seen him be able to do very well is facilitate. Uh, one other thing, James Brago at his introductory press conference said that he expects Nick Batum's three-point percentage to increase. He said he expects his assist numbers to go up and that they were already talking 
uh, from you know from the moment basically that he was hired, he's been talking to Nick Batum. So that makes complete sense that he thinks that Batum is the X factor. Also, could be the X factor. I do agree there. The one I don't know with Nick Batum, I think we overanalyze sometimes, and I wonder. More importantly, he had his best year when his first year in his first year here. I wonder if him being the third best player after Big Al after Kemba did more for him than being the second best. Guy. Oh, I I think that I think that bug is already out. I think the story's already out on that. I don't think there's any doubt that he benefits from being a little bit lower on the totem pole than being yeah. higher. I do think that book is out. I do think it's on guys like Jeremy Lamb. I do think it's on guys like Malik Monk to get to that second position. No, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly there. But I he wanted to be more involved in the offense when Dwight Howard was here. He felt like he wasn't as big of a part of the offense when the ball was being dominated. Well, and then adding Dwight Howard adds a, a, an entirely different scenario, yeah. too, right? I mean, having Dwight Howard be a guy that you're just throwing to down low in the post and him just eating it up, it's not exactly... Oh, I, I guess you're right as far as the fact that he's a, a third scoring option at that point. Yeah, but I don't. I, I'm just saying that to say that I don't think that Nick Batum relishes an opportunity to be the third banana. Oh, I'm saying that, that we just haven't seen the two things match his performance versus what he wants to be for the team. Well, and you mentioned the three point shooting there about he expects Nick Batum to be a better three point shooter. Another just the overall philosophy of this team. James Borrego discussed wanting his team to play under, he discussed they want to put a lot of pressure on the rim and that putting pressure on the rim in today's day and age, that it opens up a lot of open three-point shots and that you get the best types of shots in the game. You get them at the rim by putting pressure on it. You get them at the free throw line by putting pressure on it. And you get open three-pointers. The one question I would ask in that, in that instance, how is this any different than Clifford? Because Clifford was a big get-to-the-rim guy and then drive and kick. Well, and I think there are some similarities. We discussed not only putting pressure on the rim, but we discussed protecting the rim on the other end. You know, Steve Clifford, that's something that he certainly wanted this team to be uh, a team that was good at that. That was their identity on the defensive end. And Borrego today discussed when he what he liked about Charlotte was that they did have an identity. Now he discussed they were going to tweak it because why are you here if you like the identity as much as it was? So he discussed he liked that they had an identity, but that they're going to tweak it and try to make it work and be useful for them to win basketball games. But he did discuss how important that was when he was interviewing for the Phoenix Suns, the Grizzlies, and the New York Knicks. I think he's going to be different from Clifford in that you're going to see the pace pushed intentionally. I think there's going to be more forgiveness of mistakes that are made in in the process of trying to make plays and increase that pace where there was almost zero tolerance for turnovers in in the Clifford area in the Clifford era. I think Clifford was very black and white on on his major principles uh, that we discussed a lot over the years. I'm interested to see how black and white James Borrego is and and how how close to Greg Popovich's style coaching, he is totally agree. Yeah, I, I totally I agree. agree. I, I'm you, you discuss. It's almost the discussion we constantly have with coaches: Are they a player's coach, or are they just a hard ass? You know, like the Scott Skiles versus the the, the, the Pop, Tom really. the Tom Thibodeau. Yeah. You know, like are are you a hard ass or are you a player's coach? And is there anywhere in between that a guy fits? I don't think Borrego's not going to be like Steve Clifford in that regard. I don't, and I don't even think Steve Clifford was this this guy that you just could not get along with. He he knew what he wanted, and if he didn't get it, he was black and white with you. But 
he was able to develop some damn good relationships, one with Kimba, one with Marvin, you know, maybe not so much guys like Frank. You know, maybe the Nick Batum relationship wore off a little bit. But I think you had a nice mix there with Steve. I think Borrego is going to be a lot easier to get along with with a lot of these younger guys. As much as I like Steve Clifford, I do think Borrego is going to have that quality about it. We won't hear about it, if again, if something sure, goes sour. Sure, but you can get that feel. And I mean, Steve, Steve Clifford didn't talk about the bad relationships that he had with players a whole lot. Not I mean, with us. Nobody does. Right, nobody does. Right, though. Yeah. I mean, not with us being the media. Us as in the public view. But you know, I, I I think genuinely it's going to work between players and James Borrego. And and one other thing, just about the development of talent, I, I really thought he he discussed a lot here at this luncheon. The one thing about the development of talent is Rick Bennell, Charlotte Observer, talked to him about where do you find the line of trying to win basketball games as much as you can right now and developing talent as far as getting these guys minutes in regular season action. Like Malik Monk, like oh. Miles Bridges, and these guys. I like this question. Yeah, and he discussed. You know, first of all, my my only job is to win games, right? Like my my only job is is to win games, and I have to go after it right now. But once it was cleared up a little bit, he discussed. Well, there are ways that you can do that, and also make sure that you can get Malik Monk some reps. Maybe Miles Bridges doesn't play this game, but he's going to get in the next game, right? He he's make, he has to make sure that you get some minutes because you have to make sure that guys are getting involved in regular season action and not just sitting on the bench and learning only by observation. And he discussed oh. that. And right, and of course, you have to bring up how Steve Clifford handled Malik Monk. You have to bring up what he did with a lot of these younger players, Jeremy which Lamb. I don't what Jeremy Lamb was one as well. And I think James Borrego, not necessarily taking a shot, I think it's something he believes in, but I, I do think there was an obvious selling point there when you're moving on from Clifford all the way to James That's Borrego. That's just a difference. That's not taking a shot. Listen, Clifford was yeah. very clear sure. on his methodology when it came to rotations. It wasn't about gifting anyone minutes. It wasn't about, oh, I got to get this guy some run. It was about trying to find a rotation that was going to win and getting players consistent minutes. And I think Clifford believed, if I can't get a player consistent minutes – then I just can't get that player minutes. You know, I got to find a consistent rotation. And you're seeing Borrego with a slightly different philosophy on things, and and we'll certainly see how it plays out. And among that, he referenced Pop again, discussing what he would do with Tim Duncan, what he would do with Dejounte Murray, what he would do with a lot of those guys in the Spurs rotation about how you know Tim Duncan might sit one game or the second game of a back to back, and that's where he would find minutes for a younger big and Dejounte Murray, Tony Parker. He talked about Tony Parker coming in about how they're borrowing him, but he also discussed Dejounte Murray trying to find some minutes when Tony Parker would maybe sit the second of a back to back. That's where he would give Dejounte Murray a lot of his run. And you wonder with Marvin Williams getting up there sure. in age if that's a place where you can give. A oh, guy that's a great point. Off. That's a great point. I mean, I think Marvin could be that older veteran and where father time is going to set in. You saw it set in a little bit last year, and then you could see Miles maybe get those minutes as well. Maybe that's where we see that 14 minutes a game from part 14 to 16. From yeah, because that's not a lot. <laughs> yeah. Right? And he talked about he's not going to get starter minutes, but that Tony came to Charlotte because he believed he has some run left in those legs and that he actually reached out to Borrego, and Borrego felt a little bit weird. He didn't want to take Tony Parker away from the Spurs, which is interesting to me, the relationship that he had with the Spurs and not wanting to mess with 
basically his idol and Greg Popovich and take away one of his guys, but that Tony Parker came to Borrego after he had the plan laid out from him from Pop, right? He said, you know, look, I've got some run left in my leg. So he calls Borrego. Borrego's like, yeah, we don't have that much. We don't have a backup point guard. So you've got a role here, and it's on the court. It's not just being a coach. And so we talked about that, and I would wonder, again, that's where the 14 minutes comes in. So maybe it's not a lot of minutes, but there is some minutes there for him. He didn't want to be Mr. Steelio point guard. No, he did not. not. For once. No, he did not. He did not want to be like that. But he has them now. He just said, let me borrow your point guard. If you like what we're doing here, make sure you're checking out what else the Locked On Podcast Network has to offer, including Locked On Panthers. Host Bill Rossetti is getting you ready for the regular season now, week two after a big win for the Carolina Panthers against the Dallas Cowboys in week one. With news and analysis from Charlotte to Spartanburg, subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Locked On Panthers. We're proud to be part of the Locked On Podcast Network, covering the biggest local stories in every market. Walker Mail, Nada Edwards, Doug Branson will be back after this break. A more Hornets rankings. We're going to go one more. We've had a long show today, a lot to get into with the luncheon, so... Rather than what we said last show, we're not going to have all six come at you in this show. We're going to give you the sixth best Hornet of all time, the sixth best Charlotte beer of all time, and then the next show, we're going to give you the five. We're blowing out the budget? We're going to blow it out. Oh, we're going nice. to give you we're going to give you everything that you possibly could want and everything that you've been waiting for up until that moment. Once again, Walker Mail, not Edwards, Doug Branson. You're listening to the Locked On Hornets podcast. This is Locked On Hornets. Now that we have this question, I got I, I feel like I need to ask this. Mm-hmm. Are y'all sweet potato pie folks or you pumpkin pie folks? Pumpkin pie folks. Sweet potato folk. Pumpkin pie. Sweet yeah. potato. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Welcome back to the Locked On Hornets podcast. Thanks for listening with us today as we've discussed the luncheon for James Borrego. Fantastic stuff. Really enjoyed going over there. Really enjoyed the steak. Not, I don't know if you've had their steak before, but it's just fantastic. All right, Doug, let's try your beer out here today. The sixth best beer in Charlotte history. What do you got for us? The sixth best beer in Charlotte is Hop Cakes. I think I've had this one. Have you ever had it? I've never had it. Uh, this is a great one brought to you by Noda. It's a favorite of uh, David Walker's. Shout out. Shout out David Walker. The he loves this geek. one. It's available in February, but they they run this for a while. It's not just the month of February. Ed Brewer Chad. Yeah, make sure you get that yes, towards please. Nada. Make sure Nada understands that before no, it's hot cakes. So there's like a little uh, maple syrup. There's a pancake thing going on. So it's a very wintry beer, but it is an IPA and it's like 10%. So be careful. You, folks. you mentioned the syrup real quickly. Have you seen what this high school football team is doing? We syrup know, shots. Yes. We know about the turnover chain in Miami. Anytime you get a turnover, they get to wear this gaudy chain, which is just fantastic. We know about the Florida State turnover backpack, which is just an epic failure. No, 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 no. Hold it on. It is hold so on, hold, bad. Hold, hold, no. You can't no. be the only person that likes the turnover backpack. It is suppo- It is an allegory for securing the bag, Walker. Oh, it is so bad. It's so lame. And you can't do it when you're one and one and your best win is barely against Samford. You can't bring it out. Let's get back to the beer. You can't bring it out. To get back to the syrup... Anytime for offensive linemen getting pancake blocks, coaches will then squirt some Aunt Jemima in the players' mouths 
in order to celebrate a pancake block. I love it. I'm all in. I want every team to do it. I love it. My question is, are they doing cold syrup or, or do they have a microwave by the sideline? Let's warm that up a little bit before we, not So it goes down a little easier. Sure. Yeah. The, the way to go, if you're just going to eat it and, and just enjoy a nice breakfast just with your pancakes and you got some time to do it is absolutely to heat it up. I would imagine in the heat of the game, they're just bringing that thing out cold. I will say this too. Syrup is so much more versatile than than people give it credit for or people it use it for. It's great on meats. I mean, I'll do I'll do a little hard, uh, uh, over hard egg piece in my syrup. You can, it's just, wait, 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 it's wait, sweet what? and salty. I'm telling you, it's a, it's way more wait, wait, versatile wait, 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 than we give what, it credit what? for. No, I'm, I'm, with the, I'm with Doug on this. I think if you have of your you plate wouldn't. of pancakes, eggs, and bacon, syrup can apply to all of those and it would taste good. It's sugar, folks. It's the same as ketchup. It's all sugar. Well, ketchup doesn't go with everything. No, 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 no. Ketchup does not go up with everything. Whoa, Doug. No. A lot of things. I didn't say everything. What are you putting words in my mouth? Oh, it just seemed like I I wouldn't say you brought it in as a comparison. I don't know if I would do that. I was trying to be. Oh, you're saying syrup is like ketchup and being a little bit more applicable to stuff. In that it's very, it's a very versatile sauce. Because it is essentially yeah. sugar. If you're going down the versatility food chain, I'm saying syrup gets there way before you get to ketchup. Yes, it does. Now, I have a question Doug's for you. Doug's angry at us now. Now, now. Doug, I do have one more question. <laughs> Are you one of those people that has ketchup inside the fridge or outside the fridge? Mm, good question. Inside the fridge. Where are you, Nada? I hate do you remember? To, I hate to agree with him. I <laughs> hate to agree with inside him. Inside the fridge. Um, I'm with I'm with you guys. I, I go inside the fridge as well. The one thing I can't stand about the ketchup, and I don't know if anybody that likes it, is the water. So you got to get you got to put it upside down, right? Yeah, you got to you got to pat the bo- bottom of the bottle. Well, I, I understand it. the Heinz 57 angle at that as well, but you also have to put the bottle, no matter what kind of shape it comes in. There are bottles that are easily made for it to go upside down. Those guys are are gods, by the way. But if you have any just kind of bottle that doesn't lend itself to that, you still have to put it upside down. What, you buying your ketchup from Costco now? Uh, I don't know. But anyways, Doug, let's go. Sorry. Sixth best Hornet of all time. (laughs) Yes, sorry. Oh, man, what a great show we've had here today. It's been long. Sixth best Charlotte Hornet of all time. It's going to be Mr. Del Curry. We're getting into the tough one here, folks. This is perfect. Do you like Del Curry here? I love him at sixth because he was the Hornets' ultimate sixth man. He's got that hardware. He's got that award. He is the sixth best Hornet of all time on my list. And Perfect. he is indeed a sixth sixth man of the year award winner in the NBA. Look, we, we can go down the list. Probably his biggest accomplishment for a long time was being the franchise all-time leader in points before Kimba Walker eventually broke it. We knew the guy is one of the best shooters of all time in NBA history. I've got Del Curry coming in at six with some more prominent Hornets here to follow. Your guys' thoughts? I don't mind the rating of six if Barron and Crash were higher. There's only one that I know you can move back that you could, so there's a problem with putting both of them before Dell. If you like him at six, there's only one guy I know that you would move further back. Yes. I, yeah, that has not been I, here yet. Yes. But you can't move both of them because... You know, I, I, no, I can. I can. No. You're, he, I can, well, he can because he is not in charge of the list. He can do anything <laughs> he wants, and that's the thing. Nada loves to do things when there is no responsibility <laughs> for Nada Edwards. Of course. 
That's it. That's now we figured out not his mo. He loves to do things when other <laughs> people are responsible. That that's his thing. That's the chaos. That's the chaos factor. Y'all brought me in here for chaos. Like now you've become the syrup guy. Nada is I don't want the responsibility guy. Is that mm-hmm. what's going on? And I'm the pod dad guy. You're pod dad. I'm the list guy. Thanks for listening to Locked On Hornets here <laughs> on the Locked On Podcast Network. We got all five of them for you next next show, folks. Probably going to do it Thursday, right? We're able yeah. to do it Thursday. Going to try. To, we're putting this dog down. Oh, it's man. Over. It's been. It's done. It's done. And a lot of stress is going to go off of me because of it. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Lockdown Hornets. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Lockdown Hornets. Until next time, folks. See you guys. <laughs>